Hello and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Tom. Hello. And we've finished watching Barbette Schroeder's 19... 75, 76? I see it listed... 76, I guess. Yeah, I've seen I see it listed as di- both in different places. Uh, but anyway, regardless, 1970, uh, or oh, Mistress. Yes. In French? Yes. I, sp- I speak French a little bit. I know one word, Mistress. Uh, tu parles français? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so... Matrice. Had uh, you... Had you- um, known anything about this film prior to watching it? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, me neither. I think it was all I knew was what I kind of said in the end of the last week's episode where it was, I know it takes place in the world of BDSM. Okay, so I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, let's do a synopsis. The film follows the story of... Uh, um, of uh, uh, Olivier? Yeah, or- Gerard Depardieu of Bogus fame. <laughs> What a pool. I thought you were going to say My Father the Hero with Catherine Heigl. Oh, no, I've only seen Bogus. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he is a, a, a burglar. Yep. Uh, with a buddy who's also a burglar, and they break into um, a room. Well, they think it's a flat initially. They think it's a flat, and, it's, and it turns out to be uh, the... It turns out to be a BDSM dungeon. I'm going to call it her office. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. A workspace. Yeah. Uh, for, sorry, what's her name? Uh, I'm just looking this up now. I had it written down. Um, uh, Ariane. Turns out to be the workspace BDSM dungeon of Ariane. And uh, the film grows into a kind of romantic, let's call it a romantic film. Mm-hmm. It's not really a rom-com. It's a rom-com without the com. Yeah, well, it's just a straight rom... Yeah, it's just a romance film, romance essentially. Film. Like, following a burgeoning relationship between these two people, the ups and downs of it, and kind of what you get. But just using... But It's essentially doing a very stereotypical romance film, but using the backdrop and the setting and exploring those ideas, like, you know, that you normally do with those type of films... With what happens if we throw BDSM into it? Mm. Does that heighten, exemplify? Like, what what does it do? Does it? How does that affect the situation? Yeah, well, I guess like sexual desire. What does that? What role does that play? I mean, I think it's a really fascinating way to look at mm. uh, meta. You know, in terms of a, a meta look at at romantic films. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting angle to pull from. And I think like the big thing, the big takeaway from this film, in, like that I got from it was by having the kind of centerpiece of the film be something that is a hypersexualized profession, essentially, like it, um, and one where a woman is completely and utterly in control and has the power of the situation. It's a really interesting way to kind of then dissect the uh, sexual dynamics and the kind of um, uh, the powers within a relationship that way. Mm. Because especially like, you know, mid-1970s, like this, it's very, like in this type of like standard romantic film, you would normally have, as kind of, spoiler alert, becomes the case with this film, it's very male-centric and it's very much just he's the one 
the woman has done something wrong. Like, you know, it's that whole... Yeah, the male is the domineering figure in, yeah, in the yeah. relationship, typically. So it's interesting, and they kind of use that as a way to kind of discuss, like, you know, flip that on its head by setting it, having her be a mistress, a madam for BDSM clients. Well, she's the domineering role, um, obviously, with her job. Yes. But with Olivier, it's not that simple, I think. there's No. I mean, he's, he's obviously into BDSM too. Mm. Um, at least the role-play aspect I, and... I, I think he's inquisitive to begin with. Like, well, they, and then he yeah. starts to, because of that, it opens up kind of a sexual explora- exploration for him and he kind of starts to dabble with some stuff, I guess. I suppose, but it, I, got the, uh, I got the impression that he had dabbled prior because he says to his friend, here, take this money... Um, having just had this f- the initial experience with this lady, yeah, where she gets him to p- piss on the face, piss on the man. face of, of a guy that wants to that well, enjoys that. Yep. Um, so he pays his friend and says, you know, get out of here, don't worry about it. Let's, I'm, I'm going to pursue this lady. Yep. And and he he says straight up in their first meeting that that I understand this, I understand what you're doing, and I, I it seems like he's been around it a little bit, so he's going to pursue a. On a, um, See, yeah, I wasn't too in a sure. Sexual sense, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know if that was truthful or not. Or like, I kind of got the vibe that that was just him being like, he's too cool for school guy. Like, he, okay. I'm, I'm down with this. I'm hip. Yeah, it could be that. <laughs> it could be that. Yeah. Because then you know he seems kind of seemingly at a loss, especially when they get to the chateau and things when uh, dealing with that whole spanking scene and stuff and then like for, at the end of that she's like well you like you know you seem scared and like you True. know it was over his head and things True. i think he's just putting on the airs of like i'm a cool hip tough guy i can deal with this this, this doesn't bother me this doesn't irk me but then he's certainly confident yeah the further he kind of goes down the rabbit hole it's it's that kind of interesting thing where it's like the further he gets into the world of kind of um more explicit sex acts the more he gets in with his relationship with her and more that he falls in love. It's, it's kind of falling down a rabbit hole in two senses, I guess. Yeah. And the more That's he... the crux of this story, which yeah. is amazing, I think. Um, mm. Because where she finds she's falling in love and it's preventing her from doing her job, she slowly says, I can't figure out... I can't, I can't be the mistress to these people that want, me, that want to pay for that because I, it's conflicting with my love for you. Yeah. Whereas he's going, this is all one one whole thing. Like, I don't care. Yeah. But then it's interesting because then later in the film, he then kind of works to sabotage her working relationship. And I can't tell if that's... Well, that's a domineering thing. Like, I think... Yeah. You're talking about the, I guess you would call it the upper class pimp. Gautier. Oh no, I'm also talking about the fact that like, mainly the scene where he wants to have sex with her and she's like, no, I gotta go to work. And he's like, well, let's do it in front of your clients. Sure. And she's just like, don't. And like him just not understanding that that completely and utterly destroys the sexual power of that whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's yeah. true. And, it's, and then it's like a complete and utter role reversal then at that point of like this woman that's supposed to be strong and powerful and is dominating over these men is then... Being dominated. In front of... Like, so it just completely and utterly shatters that. And, that, and that's also like the kind of turning point for the whole film and the relationship and stuff. So... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we're jumping away <laughs> at yeah. that point. That's right. Let's, let's, let's go back to the initial... The start of the... Of the film, the three-minute-long single take shot that is amazing. Going through the 
the BDSM dungeon? No, even before that, it's him hopping off the train, jumping on the motorbike, oh, yeah. then going and meeting his friend at a cafe. It's a three and a half minute unbroken take of like just yeah. There's a couple of those throughout the film, actually. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it is really cool. Uh, I, I guess it's that was so well done that I didn't even notice it. In fact. Mm. Um, so and that's what you want I suppose there were a couple of times where I ended up rewinding and being like wait is this all been one shot and yeah was like, oh, one yeah, is it, it like that yeah. you know, you, at some point you start to realise oh, it's been cut actually and then, how long has this been gone yeah and you, you want to track it back and see yeah oh cool mm. one is a great everybody likes one is yeah um, no I, I thought that having not known anything about the film what it was going to be like um, I thought when they entered this apartment to steal from it and there is the high contrast you know darkness to to torch and you're just slowly getting pieces of what this room is all about yeah it's the clothing the clothing bdsm leather the like you know the instruments of pleasure and then just it cuts to it moves to this guy with lipstick on his face in a cage (laughs) yeah and that reveal i was just fucking like wow this is okay and there's like nooses and a crucifix and like all this insanity stuff um that's amazing it was amazing Um, it's like tarantino sort of stuff but what's interesting about it is like you said the high contrast of light between like the absolute darkness that's in this this room versus the the kind of high contrast torch kind of searching and scanning around and things um so easily could have been played for schlock or for exploitation or for thrills slash horror and freak, freak show yeah. yeah all sorts of stuff that's, that's and, and there's a simple way they could have done that which was have music mm-hmm. there is absolutely no music mm. in that scene and for pretty much the whole film yeah and it is genius. Yeah, I think... Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, how the filmmakers presented all of this, because I think it's really remarkable. Yeah. Uh, everything... I think the soft lighting... Everything is really soft lighting, which mm-hmm. I think is... It's almost like that pillow lighting. You just let, let just all like the light come from everywhere. Yes, yeah, everything's even and nice, and nothing's dark, nothing's in shadow, nothing is, yeah. you know, ominous, I guess. Yeah, and even in some of the more... Um, confronting scenes, let's say. Mm-hmm. The, the spanking scene, I think one of the initial full-on confronting ones is the spanking scene. Oh, yeah, when that ha- when that all of a sudden cut to that, because that was, again, like a full-on three, four-minute, like, single-take shot, and then it does a hard cut to, like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Cole was watching with me, and she um, she was she was shocked yeah. to the core. Um, so was I, you know, yeah. you don't expect that kind of thing. No, and it's a hard cut as well. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted with that. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's the soft lighting. It's the everything even nicely kind of lit. The lack of music. There's the only real music that shows up in the film. It's like the opening and the closing. And then I get the sense anywhere else it appears is diegetic. Mm-hmm. There's, by doing that, it's, I think it's such a clear indicator from Schroeder that he's, Make, like he's presenting this in a non-glorified a non-exploitative way and he's just it's almost like clinical of like this is what this is we're not going to try and there's no, sway there's no, you one way or the other there's no condemnation yeah uh, it's literally just presenting it uh, and I think also stark and clinical essentially it's not stark, oh, no, stark I, I yeah stark's the, soft the, lighting, the soft lighting is actually I associate that with a it's kind of more warm and fuzzies of a romantic film. Yeah, it, it, it's, it 
allows Barry it to Lyndon's be welcoming, like I guess, but yeah. also, yeah, not confrontational. Yeah. I don't know, like, it, it's pleasant to look at. Mm. Um, take, uh, this is completely, this is probably a bad example, but take the BDSM scene in Seven, right? Which is full-on disgusting stuff. The lighting, everything in that scene is being built to make it as full-on and jarring and disgusting as possible. And fucked up and horrific and things because it's a horror film or yeah. a thriller. Like, Yeah, and I think I mean, that's not a good example particularly because... No, but it, it is honestly like any time you think of like a BDSM or like something like that, you have like strobe light and nine-inch nails playing. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it is but the difference between that, that scene twin. Like, you know, yeah because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> movies don't like that's be, because it has the stigma of being like that's depraved that's other world like you know that's ugh whereas this film like so wonderfully is like no it's just well, is yeah but the seven the scene in seven it's there's <laughs> not two consenting adults is there no whereas and in this it, film everybody is consenting <laughs> and it's a knife dick yeah. well I mean someone gets their dick nailed to a board in this film and that's uh, real by the way that's totally real and, and <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's pretty crazy I, but it's consenting in fact I heard trivially yeah speaking, okay I was just about to bring this up <laughs> okay. guess no you go go yeah uh, well I thought I, I don't know I, I mean this is a rumour I can't I couldn't find a, a really legitimate source for this but apparently all of the um, dungeon sequences with actual BDSM going on the whipping and the you know the nailing the dick to the board shit like that. Yeah, um, it's legitimately people paying the filmmakers to come in and have that done to them. It's done by professional. Be- it's, so it's not the actress actually nailing his dick to a board and things. It's actually a professional mistress and uh, with a client essentially, and they were able to film and do all that stuff. Yeah, it's like I don't know if it's if it's just a rumor and it actually happened I, I would imagine I would guarantee that the, like I think 100% the, the fact that they are BDSM professionals or like people that are within that lifestyle 100% I don't the, the part where they paid for the experience is a bit well I that, was thinking about that because that's what they I'm, said that's the rumor going around that the yeah. people paid for this to, I mean the film usually you would get paid to be in a movie right yeah but I wondered if um, if you were wanting this stuff done to you then the act of paying for it might have to you know, it might that be part the, of that whole domination uh, yeah I can definitely see that so maybe that's why they were they go like oh no we'll pay for this yeah yeah, but yeah no that's that's kind of uh, again leads to the authenticity and the kind of seriousness with which they're taking this it, it puts it it comes back to that whole um, let's just present this because it's 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 still just consenting people yeah paying for what they look like yeah and and it's interesting because the BDSM it's not window dressing it's not like a flavour or an extra flourish it's actually there to intensify and almost work as an allegory for the actual relationship issues that are happening within the film it's not just we're doing this to be salacious or you know it, it, like I said, window dressing. It's not there to be pretty and something kind no. of cool. And I, I, Yeah, I guess it's a good time now to try and mine for what it's really going for. Mm. Um, <coughs> what do you think? Because take, take the regular format of a romantic film. Mm-hmm. And often you would, have, you would have two figures, you know, resisting and jostling over some form of domination and submission... Just in general, yeah, and to try and fit together and form like a cohesive relationship, 
Um, and there's sexual desire all going through that too. But I think with this film, it's is it trying to trying to physically? Um, I mean, it's almost like the emotional relationship jostling around is is physically represented by the fact that they're getting dressed up and and hitting and you know whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's it's I guess you could as well say like the idea of like. Falling in love with someone because you have an idea of who they are, not who they... Okay. Yeah, that. I mean, that's kind of drawing it, clutching at straws a bit, I think. But um, for me, it, it... It starts real interesting, because, like, when their relationship initially starts, and when we're first really introduced to Ariane, when she comes down the stairs and catches them... Well, I mean, we're first introduced to her upstairs, with her bath overflowing and things. Yeah, it's like a trap. Yeah, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's the interesting thing of, like, the the contrast between, like, who do you Hopeless. want? Do you want the angel who lives upstairs, or do you want the devil that's downstairs, like? Well, there's, I mean, it's it's interesting that the two of them, um, Olivier and his buddy, come in to, to sell uh, fine art books, door-to-door See, salesmen. But also, is that just a ruse to I chase think, places? I think so, that's what yeah. I thought. Um and she opens the door and she's half naked uh-huh. and she's trying to, she says, come on in. And she's trying to get them to come in to the bathroom because she's got a problem with her bath. Uh-huh. She's a helpless woman, right? When in fact it's a trap. Uh-huh. Um, I think, and even when you go downstairs, when in the next scene and, and she's coming down all dressed up in her um, mistress outfit, there's actually a, a shot where there's a fluorescent tube that looks like a halo. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of I couldn't really wrap my head around a little bit because I was thinking like, oh, she's a, a, an angel or a saint well, that's, or, that's why I use the analogy of angel upstairs, demon downstairs, like you know that whole. Yeah, but she, but that halo situation is downstairs in the dungeon. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was scratching my head. I'm like, oh, anyway. But does that mean then? Is that the because well, that's what I mean. Like, is that the person that Olivier falls in love with, and he wants? her to be that person all the time but the deeper they get into the relationship she actually wants to become okay her upstairs person yeah yeah I guess like her, her real person which explains to her you know at the end when she essentially leaves it all and goes off after or, or is it in a film you know the trope of when the guy sees the girl for the first time and there's the, the umbrella zoom yeah and, and like, like the, oh my the, god the, what a fucking yeah, honey and the music swells and maybe yeah, yeah maybe that's that that shot where the, he's, we're seeing him, mm. seeing her through Olivier's eyes. Could be. He's like, oh my God, it's a fucking angel. Yeah. Even though she's dressed up in, in Mistress Outfit. Yeah. Because to him, you know, that thing, that doesn't matter. It's, it's something that he's into. Um, I, I yeah, I'm going to kind of jump a little bit kind of yeah. towards the back half of the relationship stuff. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um... Because I, I was really enjoying this film and, like, really, like, oh, this is an interesting take on a romantic film. Like, where are we going with this? And then for the back half, it's essentially, like, you know, the third act, essentially, really bummed me out. Because it, uh, like, it seemed to fall in the traps of hitting all those tropes you normally see in romantic films. Where it's like, <laughs> what is going to be, like, this is such an interesting, you, you've got such a great setup. Like, where... What's going to be this struggle with the relationship? And it turns out, like, oh, he's just a jealous boyfriend. And you're just like, ah. Yeah, I guess he is. It's, ki- it's kind Sorry. of just weak sauce. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... 
I was expecting well, a little bit. I don't... Jealousy? I'm not sure. Because, uh, for those who haven't seen it, what happens is um, the relationship becomes quite loving. She expresses that she's actually having trouble doing her job because she has she's in love with Olivier. Uh, and she has a an upper-class pimp that is bankrolling her, I suppose, but under, her protec- under his protection. Because... He's a man. He's obviously a man in politics. Gautier is his name. But then, it, like, the, I'm thinking the ending. Then that kind of blurs the line of is he actually the pimp or like? Oh the, yeah, yeah. Because he's also might actually have a kid with her. Yeah, um, and like his ex-husband or something. Like you know, yeah. In any case, of. he's he's a customer, but he's also Manager, also seems like, to be yeah, some good. kind of running as some kind of protection for her because mm-hmm. she might get. I mean, there's a sequence where she gets yeah. attacked. Yeah. Um, and she, so she would need some protection, um, but also she is sick of him. She's uh, she feels like she's not free with him, and so I think that Olivier's trying to free her from her pimp effectively, because he goes and has a meeting with him with Gaudier and says, "You know, I'm going to be, I'm taking your job now. Yeah, you know, I'll protect her. You get the fuck away." So I don't think it's jealousy unless. It, it, okay, it could be it could be two things. It could be jealousy in that he's jealous of the domineering figure that is Gautier and he wants he to wants be the to dominating be person, figure. Yeah. Or he's saying, get the fuck away from her. Um, she she doesn't want to be around you, so you better back off. Yeah, no, it, it, I think it's more the uh, the domineering kind of idea. The, the, he, he seems to hate the idea of having anyone else be in control of her rather than him just like that's really kind of broad analysis no, of it but it, I, I guess you could because he's he's so enamored and like needs to know who he is what their past is what's all that about and you're like that's just just simmer down buddy yeah. <laughs> like simmer down like that's not like you're being very full-on asshole kind of guy yeah. there you, um, you could i think maybe you're right because there is that that's and and, this, and for me, this this comes almost a, the scene where he goes and meets Gautier comes almost immediately after the scene where he essentially, like you know, not only is the word rape, but like you know, because she's not wanting to go through with it, but like has where he has sex with her in front of her clients again, like you know, and essentially that's him essentially taking away all the power and sexual agency she has as a person, and then with this relationship, he now has taken all of that and has seemingly has all of that and then he's going to go and eliminate the other figure that seems to possibly have control over her and I'm like oh fuck you movie like you seemed a little bit more progressive than <laughs> than yeah. kind of like I, I was yeah I was so interested in the like debate of sexual politics and like having a woman be the kind of the dominating one in this and then yeah it kind of just ended up like, you know, subverting our expectations <laughs> and like, you know, just kind of falling into that trope of everyday kind of. But she, yes. Sorry, I'm being well, hypercritical on like that. I, I just. No, no, I think this is important to go through because. Because the film was going so well with like. Yeah, you were enjoying Like, it. and being so progressive and then it. <laughs> but also as a result, she kicks him out. So she says, okay, you've kind of fucked shit up. You're going to, I'm going to have to now protect you. Yeah. You're going to have to leave despite us both loving each other. Yeah. And so, I will say I loved the finale. 
Mm. Yeah, oh, but the finale is fantastic. Yeah, that kind that's like that's a I'm going real harsh on the third act just to be like, oh, but it all kind of brings it back around. Yeah. But yeah. So she does have some kind of agency. She's had to now protect him and say, Godier thinks you're a dangerous man, you're gonna to have to leave just so he doesn't hurt you. Yeah. Um, so you kinda of fucked up. Yeah. Olivier fucked up. So uh, he does just that. She has to end up going with Gautier, where you find him at, at his summer house mm-hmm. with with what could be their children, uh, their child. It seems like it. Ariane and Gautier's child. Um, but yeah, the the last sequence where Olivier tracks her down, hands back her money, and then drives off with his motorcycle, and then she follows him with the car, yes. and they have sex together in the car while driving because it's both fun being, and risky. Both being in control, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a sh- yeah, a share of control, yeah, which yeah. then will inevitably lead to disaster. But, but they laugh about it together. But then also freedom. Yeah. Like, well done, Phil. <laughs> yeah. There's, that, there's the, the... I mean, it's kind of a drawn-out long sequence where yeah. they're having sex in the car. Then it cuts to the car sideways on fire and... I, then uh, happy laughing they, running through well, the forest. I think it's great because they hold on that shot and you don't see them for, for a little quite a while. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, fuck. Are they just good? are they dead? Like what? What just? Well, that, that's what I initially thought. Where I was, just, I was like, okay, this is real interesting. That like they they finally get back together, and it's it, they they share control in their relationship, and and they're represented by them having sex while driving a car at the same time. He's controlling the pedal, she's steering. Yeah. And then it cuts to crash. I'm like, oh, so you're saying that like, as much as they want to both have control and kind of do it in simpatico, it's not going to work. I'm like, okay. But then it's like, no, but fuck it. It doesn't matter. Like, it leads... They, they crawl out and they, they're just laughing and they just walk off into just, the forest somewhere. Despite it will probably lead to disaster, it will also... From it will come freedom. I'm yeah, like, that's nice. It's really lovely. Yeah. It turns out to be an actual romantic film. Yeah. Um, that's warm and fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> but just also has a guy getting his dick nailed to a board. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, a horse being, and a horse being killed. <laughs> oh, that was that was the rough part for me. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. And I mean, my own, yeah, it, it's beautifully shot. Like we said, there's like multiple single take like oneers that are absolutely gorgeous. The soft lighting and the contrasting, like Tom was saying, um, the total lack of any music other than diegetic and for the opening and finale. Uh, fucking genius. Uh, performances were great. Yeah. This is way better than in Bogus. Bogus is great as well. Yeah. Um, Heli Joel Osment and... Gerard Gepardu. Yeah, and uh, that Ninja Turtle. What's that lady's name? The woman who... What? what? Who played April O'Neil or... No, no. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's a Ninja Turtle? <laughs> yeah, in that, in, that, uh, in that YouTube video I saw once. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, well. I think that's, that's a pretty I know random, Theodore Rex, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I want to look up the other actress's... The actress's name. Um, uh, Bull Ogier is... Um, she was phenomenal, I thought. Yeah. Um, well, if you fuck that role up, if you fuck the film up, I guess. Yeah, like, it's... It, Gerard Depardieu is great in the film... But he's got the easy role. Yeah. Like, she really has the hardcore, the heavy lifting here, and she does it perfectly. Like, manages 
to, yeah, almost seemingly play multiple roles in some sense. Like, great, great film. It was great. Uh, I think it's... I was looking through the critically I, and yeah, sorry, sc- I, slightly mixed reviews and whatever. I do want to clarify. Like, I did really like this film. I just had a little bit of an issue with it falling into kind of tropiness for about 20 minutes there. But then it kind of redeems. Just, yeah. Well, I guess it's... I mean... Yeah, I, I don't think I had a problem with that because it's, there's an arc to be had there. I th- yeah, like, it, there's, it's not bad, but it's just I think I was expecting more of it based on what had come for. Mm-hmm. I was kind of putting my own expectations on it that is probably unfair. Mm-hmm. So I was probably being a little bit harsh. No, no, that's fine. Mm. But th- there's a lot going on, I think. and um, I mean, there's even the whole... Like, how does relationships get in the way of work itself? Because you, yeah. it's not just the fact that she's a mistress. It could be applied to any any job. Mm. Um, in fact, the role reversal in most rom-coms and shit would be the guys at work all the fucking time and get either, in the way of the relationship. And Either that or you would have a scene where, like, you know, the guy comes into her job, yells at her in front of employees and gets her in trouble. Like, that's... You know, he has his relationship issue with in, in, like, a public forum at her work. And in this situation, it's... He has... He wants to have sex and she doesn't. And so he's like, well, no, we're going to do that now in front of your work. Mm. Which is... Having sexual powers. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, so it is... It's, it's super interesting what they've done with it. But, I, I, yeah. yeah, I think that the fact just, that it's extreme sex, if you want to call it that... I, mean, I guess it is, relatively yeah. speaking... Fringe sex? I don't know, yeah, whatever you'd want to Niche. Call. I don't want to kink shame nobody. <laughs> no, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's... I think because she was such an interesting character and uh, Bull Ogier's performance was so strong, I just wanted her to kind of maintain that kind of... I mean, shit, the movie worked on me, I guess. I wanted her to be in control and be in power throughout the whole thing. Yeah. But then it ended up like, you know examining romantic film like a scent I guess like doing a meta examination of romantic films like why you threw this I guess I don't yeah. know I think that the fact that it's beta Sam is almost irrelevant yeah um, because it, it could be you could apply that to any relationship the power struggle yeah uh, well I mean people given time a relationship will, will become stable but mm. certainly in the first you know X amount of days months years whatever um, it can be or shortly you know yeah. Destabilized. Mm. But that ending. Ending's, ending's great. Yeah. Yeah. Ending's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off uh, way back, a little bit back. You said you were looking at some kind of, uh, critical response and stuff for this film. Yeah, I, I was I was intrigued because I thought, I mean, we've, we've kind of singing high praise um, on a technical level and um, thematically and things. And uh, it's kind of mixed, the, re- the critical reviews yeah. that, I, that I went through. Which surprised me. I guess it's shocking to some people. I wonder if that is the thing. That it's just... It, it was too much and people weren't kind of ready for it or weren't able to kind of dissect it? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. Because... Well, like, I... Well, let, let, me, let me ask yeah, you this yeah. question. Do you think any of it was gratuitous? No. Even, even but, like... But I will say I'm watching that in 2019. Yeah. I If I was around in 1976 and saw this in a cinema... That could be a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, 
the classification board in the UK at least was, yeah was I've saying, got all the info on that if you yeah. want me to yeah go I think in. it's really interesting so uh, it was first submitted to the British Board of Film Classification in 76 the examiners uh, their report that they submitted agreed that the film was well made and not exploitative but under the censorship standards of the time it had to be refused a certificate so it, it just was refused classification and essentially so it was, banned it was technically porn yeah right uh, the actual scene and this is a quote the actual scenes of fetishism are miles in excess of anything we've ever passed in this field um, this meant that it couldn't be shown in public cinemas um, but in 1980, it was given uh, showings in private clubs and subsequently re-examined. And in February 1981, it was granted an X. Uh, it was also rated X in uh, upon its first release in the United States, which used to essentially be their NC-17. Um, there are a lot of other, like, you know, Midnight Cowboy was even rated X when it yeah. first came out. I think, like, Taxi Driver even. Um but yeah, it was given an X rating in 1981 uh, with a cut version. Uh, a total of four minutes and 47 seconds were cut uh, and removed from three scenes. Most notably were scenes where uh, Ariana nails her client's dick to a plank of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was not, as we said, not simulated and it was all real. And they were just like, fuck, no, <laughs> we're not putting that on cinemas. Uh, but in 2003, it was submitted for a third time, uh, and it was passed with an 18-plus classification with a completely uncut version. So. Yeah. I thought it was so fascinating that the classification board says this is, has artistic merit. Yes. And and they're all feeling a little bit uneasy about not allowing it to have a distribution. Because, I, and it's that interesting thing of because there was no precedent for it before. Yeah. They, it's that thing of like, yeah, well, why not let this one be the first kind of the hat thrown in the ring I guess like in terms of trying to break new grounds in terms of what can be classified and what can be a film it's amazing that you can present all of this in such a way that in 1976 the board of classification in the UK is saying maybe we've got to change our weight yeah okay I just had a thought like alright let's compare this to a previous film that we've done do you remember I'm Curious the one where it was like the girl going around making a like diary about the sexual habits of men yeah. I found that way more confronting and and kind of sexually explicit than anything in this film. Yeah. And yet that was kind of... That was passed and but kind was of... Was that because it's a tonally different film? I... Presenting it in a different way. But it's a young girl as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just think in terms of the actual s- depiction of sex acts up on screen, I thought that was way more explicit than anything in this. Like, it's... Which is really fucked up to say, because like we've said multiple times, a guy gets his dick nailed to a board for real in this film. Yeah, but, well, okay. But it didn't... They've got masks on, which automatically you can... It disconnects you. It disconnects you. A lot of the shots, there's rarely any insert shots, close-up shots in this film. I think the first instance that I noticed was when they have their first breakfast together. Yeah. And it becomes... It's shot like an actual romantic film. But everything else is... And it's like the the legs, like, playing footsies under the table and stuff. Yeah. There's all of a sudden all these insert shots everywhere. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, it's uh, mid-shots everywhere. So you're Mm -hmm. you're kind of separated. It's it's putting a little bit of distance. distance Yeah. Yeah. So that helps, I guess. And I guess as well, like, thinking and knowing that, like... I, I think having the foreknowledge that these guys were... That guy was really into that... Like, he, like... Yeah, that's right. So I think that's like, the main you, thing. You go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm you're sorry. enjoying yourself a lot right now. I, yeah. Which is fine. <laughs> I might as well be watching a guy eating... Like, he's paid for this awesome cake. He's, he's yeah. eating cake. <laughs> it's a 
Jesus gorging himself on a cake, but instead his version of a delicious chocolate cake is getting his dick nailed to a board. I, I, I got no problem with that. Yeah. Fucking you do you, man. Like, rock on. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't bother me that much. No, I guess in I am curious. There's and as well, there's like, a lot more turbulence going on in those sequences. Yeah, and the, yeah, there's a lot more. Yeah, but it's I, I think as well because of not it, what we're being presented could be like you know if you just showed someone that scene out of out context, of context yeah. they would be like what the fuck. But because we have the context and the lead up of this. And it would say, or if that was uh, super early on in the film, it, it could change completely the tone of what you, but because that's kind of yeah. buried in there and you're kind of used to it at this point, it's... It prevents it from being a free show. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way to put it. It's, yeah. And it, like the furthest thing from that, essentially. Yeah. Because spanking, the th- I think spanking is the first, that first sequence where... I mean, well, you've Olivier's- got, you've got man in cage with lipstick. Yeah. You got like some little things like that, and if you got the oh, well, yeah, that's that's meant to shock. That's not necessarily meant to shock the viewer. I mean, it does, but it's there to shock the characters. Yes, um, to really put the film into gear. Yeah. So but, yeah, sorry. Uh, the first one is the spanking scene with the girl. Yeah, and that's 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 not it, that's you can anyone can watch that. I feel like yeah, unless you're like some religious conservative mm-hmm. person on an extreme end. Um, and then next you've got, like, the guy on the rack, like, being kind of stretched out and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not... And some whipping. And then it goes into the more hardcore stuff. Yeah. But also the the horse. Can we talk about the horse? Okay. Because I, I don't... I don't... I don't understand why it's in there as a symbol or anything. Okay. So Olivier comes in... Early, early on... Oh, sorry. You well, just on. to set up the sequence so yeah. that um, everybody knows what's going on, the... Um, Olivier is drunk and he's meandering through an abattoir that he used to I don't know whether he used to work at it but yes. he used to work at one and he's watching um, a horse being killed with a with the pistons the gas piston through the yeah. head and then and then bled out and it's really full on yes um, that's the most confronting thing in the whole film for me yeah like that I had to look away I could not deal <laughs> yeah yeah that was really full on and I, and I as, I was trying to work out as a symbol, what does that... How can you apply that? Well, I've written down the line early on, and it's after they have their kind of bre- the, their breakfast date and stuff, and then they go out, and he's telling her the story of how he used to work in an abattoir, and uh, he... She was asking, like, oh, how long for? Like, what happened? And there was like, how was it? And he was like, oh, it was absolutely terrible. But then I got used to it, uh-huh. and so I had to quit. And I'm like, I, I see what you're doing, movie. Yeah, yeah. Thinly painting some allegories here, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so essentially, this the scene where him going back to the abattoir is after he's had the massive fight with her. Essentially, so he's going back and kind of reminding himself of like, do I want to quit? Like, you know, is that like that's what he's kind of doing? And it's okay. I could quit, and or like you know, I could turn my back on all of this, but instead, like you know, and then. I had it in my head just before, like, oh, fuck, I worked out, like, with the steaks and stuff, but now it's gone. <laughs> yeah, because then it. he eats the horse steak. Yeah. Um, um, back, at, back at her place for breakfast. Yeah, I should have written it down just then when it was in my head, but it's just got drifted into the ether like a fart. <laughs> just gone. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's... There are a couple of those ones as well, like the fact that she has Venus fly traps mm-hmm. that she's continually feeding throughout the film and, you know... I didn't notice that. That was a, that's a good pickup. Yeah. 
Um, it's little, just little things like that, yeah. But the abattoir, yeah, I think it is him going back and, you know, he's a, it, so it's a reflective moment. A reflective moment, pissed. and he's using that as like a simile for his current situation, like you know. Okay. But he would rather eat steak. Okay. He's he's fine. He's fine with the abattoir. He's going to go get some steak and come and eat it. Yeah. Come home and eat. It. Okay. Thanks for, like, thank you, you for clarifying. You could get used to a situation, and then, because you're used to a situation, quit. Yeah. Or you could be comfortable with that, being used to a situation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still a, that's kind of where I was... It's a provocative sequence. But yeah. then, but then um, nowadays, that's that's still how they kill kill horses. Yeah. And I feed that shit to my dog. Yeah. And so she feeds I've got to be cool with it. And she feeds it to a man in a cage downstairs with a couple of hairs. Yeah, and a champagne. Glass and a of champagne. And, and a lube. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. It's like the maid is just like... The housekeeper's like, is this... Will this do for the man downstairs? She's like, quick, just a couple of hairs on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of playful as well. It's great. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm. But, um, I don't know, was there anything else you wanted to go on with this? Or you think we, we've we've done okay with Maitris? I think I've, I think we've covered everything. Um, yeah, I thought it was really great. Mm. It's got problems, I suppose, as you were saying. But it's, it's overall a really great film. But I, I can totally recognise that I'm trying to put my own my own shit on it like I was I was coming into it or put my own expectations onto it based on you know 2019 kind of woke culture I guess I like started to view it as like oh this is really progressive and interesting and you know a reversal of sexual powers and agency and yada yada and then it just didn't end up but you want equality yeah that's what the outcome is yes exactly you don't want one or the other being better that's why I'm saying the ending's great but until then it seemed like it had just kind of fallen into those standard romantic film tropes which bum me out yeah 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 they ended up being free yeah that's nice it was great free and both in control it was was wonderful yeah um I guess yeah we've kind of done all the trivia the fact that you know the BDSM people were real um they're real people. Yeah, they're all. Re- that was a real dick, and that was real nails. <laughs> you better believe that wood was real. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to the actual Criterion edition itself. Uh, so it's yeah, it is still in print from Criterion as a one disc DVD, and it comes with an exclusive video interview with uh, director writer director Barbara Schroeder, as well as our usual booklet and essays that Criterion usually do. So not much with this one, but yeah, it's pretty bare bones. There's hardly anything on the internet regarding this film as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been nice to have some interviews. Um, Either that or like, like you said, some critic stuff. Like I looked up, I saw, I went to go look for some critic reviews and stuff, and all I could I was, saw one on YouTube. There was Mark Commode, the um, UK film critic. I was like, oh, cool. Well, that I'll see what he has to say about it. And he just talked about the censorship and the ratings issues. And I'm like, that's not a review. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wanted just, to. I wanted to contextualize it in the 70s as well. That's what, it, yeah. You can talk about censorship, but you really want to talk about what it means. What's it actually, what it's actually saying about relationships and yeah. gender politics and what, it, you know, the meat of the film. No one kind of really gets into that. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, I didn't bother reading the Criterion essay. Probably that did. Oh. <laughs> yeah, me, me neither. Whoops. <laughs> oh, well, as always next time. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, do you want to know what our film is? Next week. Yeah. Uh, we have Pick Up on South Street by Samuel Fuller. 
was our first Samuel Fuller film since like the early early days. Early early days. Early early days, like early teens. He did a shock corridor. Oh yeah, I remember liking that. Yeah, that was the like guy, the journalist in the mental hospital. I don't remember it though. I get, I remember liking it, and that's it. <laughs> and then like forgetting, and the other one was the naked kiss. That like yeah, we oh, did that two was, back to back. That was yeah. great. So it's a uh, first one of his we've been doing for quite a while. I have not seen this, and I know nothing about it. So intrigued. Actually, we didn't talk about it at all. Um, this is our second Barbet Schroeder film, and it couldn't be totally different. Like, couldn't be more different from the first one that we watched. What's the first one? General Idi Amin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Versatile filmmaker. Yeah, it's fucking a bit of scope there. Yeah, because I've only ever seen one other Barbe Schroeder film, which was the Coco Talking Gorilla. Like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah. That's very sad. Yeah, that's that's coming up soon in the collection as well. <laughs> I love that movie, but it's, it's one of those ones... It's like Grave of the Fireflies, where you kind of want to watch it once. Mm. And go like, geez, that was moving and, and fantastic. But it yeah. breaks you a little bit. Yeah, so that's um, I I'd only really know seen his documentarian like oh, sorry documentary films. So it was interesting like motherfucker can direct. So yeah, impressive. Hmm, interesting. To see what else he's got coming up, I guess. But I guess that'll wrap us up for Matrice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, as usual, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail you know, all that other standard stuff, whatever. <laughs> uh, but we'll be back in a fortnight's time with a uh, pickup on South Street. Uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. And I'm Tom. See you next time. Uh-huh.